Hello lovely people, good evening and welcome to the best version of your international podcast and the segment of Legal GPS. Thank you for choosing us. And today we are going to talk about rape and the law. Rape is a series that we have touched on for, I think for a month because um, it has been a series and the last series I promised that is going to be about rape and the law. So this is an introduction to that series of rape and the law i will touch on rape with regards to the law in general terms and the subsequent episodes that will come shall touch on specific jurisdictions so for example we have um an attorney who has promised us to give us the version of um rape and the law version of south africa and then somebody also has, has promised us about Kenya. And possibly we'll go to Rwanda and then Ghana. We cannot touch on all the jurisdiction, but we'll be selective about the jurisdiction. But basically, we ha- it shares some similarities. So that's why I'm going to generally talk about RIP and the law, general terms. And then um, we narrow it down to specific jurisdiction in the subsequent episode. So thank you once again for joining us. And my name is Princess Pukwansa. Thank you very much for joining us. So when we talk about rape, it has so many definitions according to various jurisdictions. Some jurisdiction, when I say jurisdiction, I always say some countries um, still have limited rape to the common law definition that defines rape as forcing somebody to have a man forcing a woman to have sex um, where the woman is not a man's wife that's in general terms and then we have some institutions who have I mean some countries or some jurisdictions that have also gone ahead to define rape in their statute so we call it statutory rape where they have specific definitions for it so when somebody is caught within that law we just look at what that law says per the statute and the person is convicted of rape when it's statutory rape usually we call it a straight liability offense um i don't want to go much into definition of what a straight liability offense is so we just let's let's touch on rape in general as i promised so for instance if you take certain statutes they may define rape as having sex without consent and they even go further to define the mode of penetration so initially rape was centered on penal penetration but as time progressed some jurisdictions have gone ahead you know to to open up the definition of rape they haven't make it restrictive so for instance if you take certain jurisdictions like rwanda for instance
So in Rwanda, I'll pick it from their law determining offenses and penalties in general. That's law number 68 stroke 2018 of 3008-2018. That's the format of their law. Section, sorry, articles. They don't call it sections, they call it article. So article 134, that defines rape. So in this, I'm talking about statutory rape in this instance. That defines rape as insertion of a sexual organ of a person into a sexual organ, anus, or mouth of another person. And then it also goes further and says that insertion of any organ of a person or any other object into a sexual organ or anus of another person. And they go on to say that any person convicted of rape is liable to imprisonment for a term of not less than 10 years, but no more than 15 years. So here they have defined it in a specific way. So if you are caught by the law, per these provisions, you'll be charged with rape. So let's, let me dissect it a bit. When I say insertion of a sexual organ of a person into a sexual organ. So it means that when you insert your sexual organ, initially, as I said, in, um, where rape was totally restricted to penal rape, where the penis to the vagina, excuse me to say that, but now it's gone ahead to see even anus or mouth. So if you set a sexual organ into the anus or the mouth of another person, you'll be caught by the law. So it's gone a step further, as I was saying early on, by adding more to penal to the penal penetration as initially it was and so it also goes further to say that insertion of any organ of a person or any other object into a sexual organ so it does not only restrict it to um the organ of a person but it goes further and say an object so for instance if you insert an object into a person's anus or vagina you'll be caught by the law per this provision as i said article 134 of the uh, of the law that i cited earlier on let me quickly say that all this is done without the person's consent reinforced under the category of non-consensual offenses so if any of the act is committed without the person's consent then it is rape but now as i have said initially it was that's the common law said a man and a woman but now we can you know that men can also be raped so when you go to more um jurisdictions um, I don't say more jurisdiction, but some jurisdiction where their statutory rape definition have opened it up because now women we know that men can be raped. So, what if the definition only restricted to a man to a woman and the man is raped? What, what does it do? So, now most institutions or 
most jurisdictions i beg your pardon who are using the common law definition of rape are now going a step further to get statutory definition of rape so that it doesn't become restrictive it's open and um and rape is handled as such if you read um smith and hogan's criminal law 13th edition by david Almerod. i hope i've pronounced the name right he says that um in 1999 i believe in the uk he said only one in 13 alleged rape cases led to conviction and that's not that place is not the only place encountering the situation as at that time so many jurisdictions encountered the situation of um we hear of alleged rape but then the conviction is minimal what has contributed to that there are several factors because surprisingly as i dealt in the first um the previous series as researchers um did their research said most men consent most men agreed that they have had consensual sex but they deny that they have raped the women so i think that what is making it much more a bit um tougher or challenging is the scope of consent and let me quickly say that the reason why rape is put under the category of non-consensual offenses that legally the absence of consent in any sexual activity leads to rape legally the absence of consent so most in most jurisdictions i can say the majority or i haven't come across any jurisdiction yet that does not put the element of consent in the definition of rape that is if it's statutory rape so the majority of jurisdictions what makes rape rape is the absence of consent so let me look at um the scope of consent so um this research let me credit where i got this from um i believe is www.lawshelf.com that said that says that um, the difficult element in determining whether rape has been committed is determining whether or not consent has been given so obviously no consent or putting the woman in apprehension of imminent harm the consent is considered ineffective and sexual intercourse will be considered as rape so let's give an example so for instance um let's say a meets b and a threatens b to have sex with b in this case when b consents b is not consenting because she really wants to do it she's consenting because of the imminent fear 
that stares at him or her so this one wouldn't be considered as rape even though she consented she did not consent out of her own free will she did it out of fear So as we have seen, the absence of consent is very key in rape. It's an element that that it's looked out for in rape. So let's look at um, people who lack capacity to consent. So for such people, as soon as it comes out glaringly that this person had sexual intercourse with that person, for that one, it's 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 rape instantly because there are certain people who lack the capacity to consent. When I say they lack the capacity to consent, they cannot even consent to the act in the first place. So for instance, minors, when we say minors, various jurisdictions define minors in different ways. Some define minors as somebody below the age of 18 and others, it goes on and on. So it depends on the jurisdiction. So if a particular jurisdiction says that, let's say a minor is someone below the age of 14 and an adult have intercourse with the person who is below the age of 14, right away, it is considered as rape, regardless whether the, 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 that, that particular person consented or not. The law regards it as rape because the law regard minors as people who lack consent who lack the capacity to consent to certain um certain acts so be careful when you go to any jurisdiction you have to be careful you have to find out the um, people who fall be who fall in the category of minors so if a person is below 18 a law says and you go into that jurisdiction and have sex with the person and you you may be caught within that law because that person does not have that capacity to consent so be very careful about that and then we have people who are mentally unstable or people who have mental challenges so for instance in an institution in a mental um i'll not call mental institution but in in a home where mentally challenged people are seeking treatment if any staff within the confines of that institution have sexual intercourse with that person that person who has mental challenges the law regards it as rape because the person who is mentally unstable cannot give his or her consent to that sexual act and so you have to be careful about that so the third group of people who lack the capacity to consent is people who are intoxicated when i say intoxicated it can be alcohol it can be drugs so for instance if you have a sexual intercourse with somebody who is drunk you may fall within or be caught by the law because anybody who is intoxicated whether drunk or dragged or 
in any shade or in any form that person cannot consent so if you drag the person and have intercourse with the person and then come out to say that oh, the person consented no way the law is not going to listen to you because the law has put that person in that category that anybody who is intoxicated lacks the capacity to consent so you have to be very careful about that now we have another interesting shade of consent that lately has become topical for instance in Ghana there's an interesting um, issue really regards to this I don't know whether the court proceedings have started or not, so I will not cite, but I believe if I explain it to those in Ghana would understand what I'm trying to say. Because once it's in court, we can discuss the issue. So we have consent obtained by fraud, which will also be considered as ineffective. And that intercourse will also be considered as rape. So for instance, if a defendant tricks the victim into thinking that the act is something other than intercourse consent to be ineffective so let me give an example um and forgive me for using doctors as the example but we have series of cases particularly in uk um with regards to this consent by fraud so if a doctor tells a female patient that it will be necessary to insert an instrument into her genitalia as part of an examination and after she consents to the examination he has sexual intercourse with her her consent will be considered as ineffective and the doctor can be convicted of rape these situations that the defendant tricks the victim into thinking that the act is something other than sexual intercourse is referred to as fraud in the factum. But let me also quickly add that to clarify it that if the defendant doesn't trick the victim as to the nature of the act but lies to her as to the medical value of the act, he cannot be convicted of rape so for instance a doctor tells a female patient that it is medically beneficial for her virginity and then the patient consent to the doctor having sexual intercourse with her the doctor will not be convicted of rape even if the reason he gave the patient as to the medical necessity of the intercourse are fraudulent so in situations where the defendant is straightforward with the victim as to the nature of the act but lies about the necessity of the act it is called fraud in the inducement it means the person is induced to consent so there are many instances where rape um alleged rape let me use that way alleged rape is committed and um, where it makes it a bit difficult is that um, sometimes the victims consent to the nature 
of the act but then they are deceived by the purpose of the act so for instance with the medical one that i cited right there's a case i think case in the uk where um the defendant was not a qualified medical practitioner um put on the false front that he was a medical practitioner and examined a woman's breast for breast cancer but the purpose of the of of that examination was for his sexual gratification so in this case the woman consented to the act that is the act of her breast being examined by the person that she assumed was a medical practitioner qualified one but in this instance the person was not a qualified medical practitioner but he was doing that for his own sexual gratification and there are many instances like that where the the law toss on various sides to to draw a thin line between us to whether was this rape there was consent but there was consent to the nature of the art but to the purpose no and um there are so many interesting developments and so many cases so this case that i cited is in the uk tabasum and there are so many like the green case and and so many others and so many interesting shades of us to was there consent or there was absence of consent and sometimes you find it particularly in the medical cases you find out that sometimes these women vulnerable women mostly consent to the nature of the act but not to the purpose and oftentimes the purpose of the act carried out by these either they are medical practitioners or fake medical practitioners the purpose is for sexual gratification and we have a glaring case in ghana there was an expose i think done by was it joy fm yeah by one man who was not a medical practitioner it's an alleged it's an alleged case it was not a medical practitioner allegedly but put up that front and has sexual intercourse with the women and the law is developing on that on that series of that so basically rape let me wrap up is that's a general definition sex having sexual intercourse without consent and some of the intercourse is done by force or without the person's will and then now the interesting development comes in the medical cases where women consent but they consent to the nature of the act but not to the purpose and now there is a thin line that is drawn between the consent where somebody says there was initial consent but there was deception and sometimes we have the issue of identity fraud um 
cases where people pose pose to be something that they are not to lure women to have sex with them so it's not only in the medical field sometimes it could be people of high authority maybe somebody can pose to be maybe a politician maybe uh, men in the service you know to have sex with these people and there's a whole ongoing debate about it that these people the women consented so it's not rape and there are so many dimensions to it people will say okay yes they consented to the act they consented to the nature of the act but not to the quality of the act or not to the purpose of the act and we have all these interesting tricks and dynamics and it will depend on the particular jurisdiction whether the jurisdiction has it in its statute clear as to what the definition of rape is So let me cite an interesting case in the UK, that's um, Williams, that's the name of the case, where he persuaded his voice people that he was opening an air passage to improve her singing voice when he was having sex with her. In that case, B was unaware of sexual matters and was held not to have consented. So in this case, B was deceived as to the physical mechanics of what A was about to do to her. She had no idea of what sexual intercourse involved. Neither was a case in which B understood the mechanics of sex, that is the penile penetration of the vagina, but did not understand its significance, believing it was also a cure for a singing exercise so there are interesting cases like that as to the nature and um, the purpose where consent is but i must say that with regards to consent as i said consent plays a very key role so the absence of consent misses rape but mom must have sufficient evidence or sufficient evidence must be adduced to raise an issue as to whether or not there was consent so for instance if there is an issue of alleged rape and the defendant is saying the victim consented or the complainant consented and then the complainant is also saying i did not consent give my consent here the burden of proof lies on the prosecution to adduce evidence beyond reasonable doubt that there was lack of consent and this high standard makes it very difficult oftentimes for for rape cases um, to experience finality so I don't know what can be done but I think as um, we have the South African version of it, of the law, then the Kenyan version, then I believe Rwanda and Ghana. Maybe after all, we can come up with a recommendation as to what we can do from the various lawyers in the various jurisdictions. So thank you so much. This is just a general overview of RIP, but the subsequent episodes will come out with specific jurisdiction about the lawyers telling us about their jurisdiction how rape 
is handled and i look forward to listening to them and also to learning and possibly after listening to all of them i, I shall come up with a recommendation as well so let's know that the absence of consent makes it rape and we have the common law definition of rape and we have the statutory definition of rape and the statutory definition of rape depends on the particular jurisdiction And oh, let me add that there's another shade to um, of rape that falls under the category. Um, I think that when I said it, even citing Carol Cole's instance, where I said Carol Cole had um, sex with dead women, and after he had murdered them, then he had sex with them. And some people were asking, but after having sex with somebody who is dead, is it rape? Yes, it's rape. It falls under the category that we call necrophilia. That is um, when A intentionally penetrates B sexually with any part of the body of a dead person. Um, I, I beg your pardon. Let me let me define it again for you. And I've, I got it from Smith and Hogan's Criminal Law, again, 13th edition by David Omerod. That says that necrophilia um, is an offense when A intentionally penetrates sexually any part of the body of a dead person B with A's penis or any other body part or any other object knowing or being reckless as to whether A is penetrating any part of the dead body. A commits... Okay, so this is going further. So that is what we call necrophilia. So having sex with a dead body, dead people cannot talk nor give their consent. I also say again that maybe they may fall, maybe the law has not recognized them as people who also lack capacity because it's not a case that is ever so often encountered. But the dead person cannot talk. So if you have sex with a dead person, it may fall under the category of rape. Thank you so much. This is just a general overview of rape and I hope you enjoyed it. And... Um, I hope we did learn something that rape foremost is the absence of consent but then you must prove beyond reasonable doubt that there was no consent and we have instances where people will say okay what if let's i've told you men can also be raped you know and in some laws they have categories for men being raped some call it unnatural carnal knowledge and and so many legal terms but again it will depend on the on that particular jurisdiction as well so let's say this one is, is a man and a woman maybe let me use a common law definition where a woman says okay let's let's have it and then you get into the room so initially there was consent she's consented and when you get into the room when the act is about to start and she withdraws her consent please don't go ahead because once you go ahead it is rape her second withdrawal of consent vitiates her first consent so consent is very key don't forget there are certain people who even lack the capacity to consent intoxicated people are intoxicated people who have mental challenges minors so be aware of that 
and yes you can't rape your girlfriend and yes you can't rape your wife the common law definition did not cover the aspect of where men could rape their wives but now with the statutory definition of rape in various jurisdictions yes you can rape your wife and your wife can take you on but i don't know how that's going to sound anyway so this is the end and thank you once again for choosing us my name is princess as always and just let me chip in that the legal the purpose of the legal gps is um that the law must be kept in touch with the needs of the people so for us what we seek to do as lawyers in various jurisdictions is just to maybe let you have a feel of what the law says in other jurisdictions as well and we believe maybe we can help in a way i don't know but maybe what we share the basic knowledge that we share can inform people as to the decisions that they take that is very necessary maybe in the next time i'll try to maybe i would i would i'll suggest the law and marriage the law and divorce and then we treat that one also as well so so i come your way again next time it is bye-bye for now and it's 2 42 a.m here so it's good morning i said good evening initially it's good morning and bye for now